0: fine can you
1: hear me i can hear you my friend
0: nice it's, how good, to, are things, it's how are good things it's good
1: to going it's good to talk to you my friend i you love too. these i love these chats and we have a really spicy um we have a really topic spicy today. topic today that's gonna ruffle a few feathers nothing like nothing like this topic that really gets people gets people's goats
0: like victim survival mentality yes uh, we strike a nerve
1: Oh, maybe. Um, Because both
0: you and I have been deep in this for, (laughs) you know, off and on for many years, you know, starting in childhood. And and just how it kind of just takes you over and how you're essentially a victim of your own physiology. And then, you know, we can use our psychology to combat that a a little bit, but we have to use both, the physiology and the psychology, both.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is a very very touchy topic because we're talking about healing, right? And so we're, you know, for for those of you who, who have here for the first time, welcome to our Little Clubhouse hello. Chat. Hello, hello. My name is Nima Romani. Hello, my name is Dr. Nima Romani, retired chiropractor now, uh interpersonal trauma guide, mentor, uh helping people heal attachment trauma and create secure relationships and Dr. Russell Kennedy, MD, uh is also my, retired also retired uh it, ju- the author of the book anxiety rx please go and grab that from audible on uh if you want to you want to have a listen or a audiobook, audiobook yeah. or a print book and also a mentor as well and a guide to others, helping them heal from anxiety. And we met a few years ago and it was like love at first. It was love at first sight. Right, you complete right, me. You complete me. When I met you. Russ, it was like you complete me. I love you. Mini me, I love you. <laughs>
0: anyway. In the spring, we'd make me tell <laughs> So yeah, Go
1: but, we got to act like we. every time we talked with one another, we would act like, you know, Teenagers, and we just had so much in common, even though we came from what would what would traditionally appear as opposing backgrounds. Me and kind of like the wellness and chiropractic, and and Russ in the medical kind of
0: and the sickness and the, and in the, the medical <laughs> sickness
1: and disease model type of care. What I loved most about Russ's Russ's perspective was that he realized that the medical system is very poorly equipped. Doctors are great people. It's just the training is very poorly equipped for medical, for for emotional and, and mental health issues. Yeah, because
0: we we deny ourselves. That's what I think we do in, in medical school. You're trained to deny yourself. You're up for 36 hours at yes. time. You're on call on weekends. You're on call for Christmas. You know, you you, you are literally indoctrinated to give yourself up for your patients.
1: Celebrated which, self-abandonment. You know,
0: 30 years ago, 40 years ago, would have been okay because there's a lots of other rewar- I was Italian there, there's a lots of other rewards. <laughs> but there's a lot a lot of other rewards years ago. But there's not, the reward for being a, a family medicine doctor these days is pretty yeah. poor. I well, say. there's
1: a lot, that's why there's such a burnout, right? And that's what happened yeah. with you and your story. You, you talk about it in your book and you're very open about it every time we, we chat on Clubhouse, but the whole uh the whole experience of going into medicine and and really wanting to help and realizing that that your training is very in the traditional method is very poorly equipped to help people with the growing mental health crisis and so based on that burnout you left and you started you know, becoming a YouTube channel, started teaching, and then wrote your book, and then here we are, now you have your own kind of group training as well, but this is exactly, it was neat because I was listening to you going, oh my gosh, he's paralleling exactly what I experienced as a chiropractor, whereas people coming in with stress-related problems, and when you unpack their stress-related problems and you get to know what's happening, it's usually an attachment issue, isn't it? It's usually a ruptured attachment. It's usually a breakdown in a relationship. There's a divorce that's happened. There's an infidelity that's happened, which there's a toxic kind of codependent relationship dynamic that if you really look back and you can trace it back to its family of origin, it's attachment wounds with mom and dad. And so when we both saw that, we was like, wow, we're teaching the same thing and now today we're we're studying in the same kind of cohort to get our somatic experiencing practitioner and so i just wanted to say welcome that you're here having this conversation with us
0: because i i created this um mnemonic this acronym for uh for alarm which is the word alarm so a is for abuse if you experienced you know physical emotional sexual abuse as a child Mm -hmm. Then L is loss, usually major loss like divorce of parents, death in the family. Some that grief. Kind of thing. There's a grief yep. you're dealing yep. with. Yep. Abandonment, you know, and that can be self abandonment when we start, to, you know, judging, abandoning, blaming, and shaming ourselves. Mm-hmm. And then rejection, which can be, you know, not being the favorite in the family, mm-hmm. you know, uh, bullying, rejection. Mm-hmm. And then the M is for anything that made you mature too early, grow, be, you know, become the man or the or Precocious. The, woman of the family. Yeah, so it's alarm. So abuse, loss, abandonment, rejection, and mature too <laughs> soon. That's what alarm stands for. And that's what that's what we would find in these people who had these, you know, when you sh- when you see someone showing up with rheumatoid arthritis at 45 instead of 75. You know, the body, you know, is a marker, is is a representative of the unconscious mind. So the body, if your unconscious mind is full of old, you know, negative programming, it will show up in your body.
1: Yes. You will start to have health issues. And so why Russ and I are now talking about this and talking, we've just figured out the upstream problem in why most people go to visit the chiropractor, go to visit the medical doctor. And we we basically, it was neat because when we met, it was like we both discovered the same thing. We retired from our professions and we're totally aligned in educating people and with our trainings and our programs. And I have a Facebook group and Russ has a wonderful um, uh, Instagram Page uh, to to educate people because it's not yet mainstream. Although people like holistic psychologist and it's coming Gabor out. Mate. Gabor Mate. It's coming out. But this is what we've been teaching for you know more than ten years. We've been. I've been. It, it, I, I'm. Re- I really feel valid. I felt validated when I saw uh, Russ. Uh, and you so, complete
2: me. You complete, you complete me. me. And so, yeah.
1: thus begun this friendship where we would talk every day on the phone, and then we would think, oh man. And I wonder if we could do like some sort of a podcast because other people would really benefit from this conversation. And here we are in Clubhouse and podcasting and all that stuff. So we wanted to yeah. talk about the neurophysiology of victimhood. Like Russ just gave this mnemonic alarm. So abuse, loss, uh, what was that? Abandonment. The? Abandonment. Abandonment. Uh, rejection. rejection. And- and, and, too and early. maturing too early. Now it's easy to experience that as a child, and the wounding of that causes causes us to feel victimized by our primary caregivers that who were unconscious and and had us have those experiences. Then, unconsciously, without knowing, we will repeat these patterns in relationships, won't we? And feel yeah, victimized I mean, once again.
0: Yeah, Freud called it the repetition compulsion. So I tell everybody that I work with, you know, what were the patterns in your childhood? For me, you know, with my dad, with growing up with a schizophrenic father, it was chaos things would be fine and then all of a sudden they would collapse. So I would, you know, in my my early adulthood, I would pick relationships that would, you know, start off okay and then collapse. Mm. And and my my career to some extent. I got fired from every freaking job that I did before I went back to, to school to <laughs> become too. a Me too oh yeah, my I got, god yeah exactly. we hate authority so got, yeah well, that's it that's it it's like you're not gonna tell me what to Fuck do you i and i was talking told, to my mom the yeah. other day and my mom said the most common thing you would say to me as a child this is my mom speaking to me was you're not the boss of me yes like that's it that's I, it I, it's I, funny and we i grew both up we're fired fire. I created this defiant nature, which is funny for us. And the because when the immunizations came along, and this is a real hot spot for Nima and I, we've had some yeah. off-camera kind of uh-huh. like you know tete-a-tete's about this. Oh yeah. But you know, I have a huge sort of um, defiance. Otto Rank, who's a, a German uh, psychologist, called it counter will, which is basically you know when you tell a, a three-year-old to put their coat on, they go no, that's counter will. Mm-hmm. Like when someone tells you what to do, you just automatically won't do it. So that's counterwealth. So I have a lot of that. But when the immunizations came along, I was like, you know what? You know, you I'll have go along with this. I'll yeah, go, yeah, I You have health anxiety
1: too. Oh, yeah. You also have health anxiety. So you that's, were like afraid of COVID. Factor. So you were like, okay, let's do it. And you were all on that pro. But I was like, fuck you. Don't tell me what to do. I will not comply. I was one of yeah. those people.
0: So then I would say to you, it's like, well, you're not actually giving yourself a choice. You're basically just going against whatever the government tells you. So it's not a choice. It's basically, but you tell yourself you have a choice. And I'm saying, I'm saying you directly yeah, yeah, I, mean, yeah. I have the same thing. I didn't mm-hmm. really give myself much of a choice either, but to get the shot because I do have a bit of health anxiety. Yes, right? and uh, which so, I so don't, sort of, and I trust you don't.
1: I, I have, I don't have any health anxiety whatsoever I mean we all have anxiety of some sort but you have health, money anxiety yeah health anxiety yeah. I had money I have money trauma stories you have yeah. health you don't have money anxiety yeah. you have the health anxiety but yeah. uh, but I don't so it's it's really neat we 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 all come from we our own we can see place. each other's blind spots yes I think, exactly exactly on. and yeah. that's why I love my friendship with you because yeah. we don't always have to agree but we have a a, a mutual respect and, and empathy for the other person's side so so we still have fun. It gets fun pretty about heated,
0: it. though. Like we have this little, uh, we have this little uh, WhatsApp, uh,
1: WhatsApp WhatsApp chat, yeah, group that mm-hmm. we do with our friend Mark too. Yes, and it
0: can get pretty heated. Yes, but what I love about you is at the end, you always say, "Love you." brother and love you brother i get it as love you back yeah you know so it's kind of like we get it we get into it we it's get like it we ruptures really
1: get ruptures happen yeah. in in healthy secure relationship this is what i yeah. teach people is that yeah. i can have a rupture with you but i have the capacity to repair and this is really the this is the, the thing that i'm really pa- passionate about teaching people because without the understanding and ability to repair from ruptures and conflict we can't create secure attachments Yeah. Secure attachments are not about never disagreeing and never getting into conflict. Exactly. I
0: just wrote that down. It's
1: about it's about being able to repair from them. Because here's the key, because we're gonna talk about victimhood. Not all conflict is abuse. Let me say it again. We've lived in we we are in a society that's just it's just amazing what's happening is that oh my god you're being abusive oh you're being abusive we become toxically passive and now we can't disagree with one another without somebody playing the victim as oh you're just being emotionally abusive you're gaslighting me anytime there's a disagreement we throw the term gaslight we throw the term abuse we and it's just like Okay, this whole me too thing, which is all designed with the positive intent in helping illuminate people who've been living in shame can say, hey, listen, me too. And now we see the shadow of it where society has now, the pendulum has swung, has pendulum has swung on the other side where it's now, everything is abuse everybody's a victim and so today we want to explore and maybe start the discussion that's going to maybe ruffle a few feathers as you notice my feathers just got ruffled a little is how do we find a really happy medium and how do you know you've been going to support workers here's a great question who've been promoting your victim story How can you tell if you go to a therapist and some narcissistic abuse happens? This isn't to invalidate that. But here's the question. Depending on the guide that you're choosing, if two years down the road, three years down the road, four years down the road, you're still the victim of this monster that you've been deifying, Are you really being served? Are you really healing? Because victimhood is the number one thing that prevents us from healing, isn't it? Yeah,
0: yeah, because victimhood puts us into sort of a cortisol-based epinephrine, adrenaline physiology. And our brain picks that up. So our brain goes into I, I, I don't like using I used to use the word survival, the term survival brain. I don't so much anymore, because that old triune brain theory about the, you know, the prefrontal cortex being the thinking brain and then the emotional brain and then the brain stem. That's really going out of favor now in neuroscience. It's mm-hmm. kinda like the brain is this unified, you know, it all, you know, unifies together, it all links together. So it is we go into this sort of survival physiology, the brain picks that up. And then looks preferentially for threat. Yes. So if you're in survival mode, you know we've been evolutionarily programmed to look for threat. And if we don't have one in our immediate environment, all we have to do is go into our imagination. We can find Everything becomes threat. a threat. Yep.
1: And when and we and this is where this yeah. is, I
0: just want to finish one point. And I think this survival physiology, the separateness that we've gone through with COVID and all that kind of stuff, has ter- has made this substrate, this this fertile ground for victimhood because now when you yes. disagree with someone you know now it's like no this you know if you don't agree with me you're you're, you're abusive, attacking you're, me you're, you're part of the patriarchy you're yeah part of the problem if yeah you don't agree with my with my victimhood yeah and we're going down a bad we're going down a bad road it's
1: not it's not it's not a great place to be and so what we want to do is just kind of shed some light on it. And i want to use um I want to use uh, Michael Beckwith's analogy. I just love it. I use it a lot in my trainings. Is that there's four stages to healing, and spiritual growth, right? So healing is a spirit. Like Russ and I are of the opinion, even though we have you know education and we have science backgrounds and everything like that, we we're pretty sti- great. We're we're pretty spiritual guys, right? Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you?
0: I, uh, I wouldn't, would say. Wouldn't you would... say
1: that you're you have a very spiritual, intuitive, very kind of like balance polarity of masculine feminine it's not just one side you have that that there's more to this there's there's a universal intelligence there's a mysterious um, kind of undercurrent yeah. I- involved in healing that's not just of the material.
0: I can embrace my feminine side. Like I wear dresses. <laughs> okay, whatever. Oh, did I say that? I thought no, my mic was on my, I'm no, oh, sorry no. about that. Oh, what, what we're
1: saying, what we're, what, what we're saying is that there is a, there is a spiritual component to healing. It has to be, there has to be right. And the deeper we go into neuroscience, even guys like Huberman, I'm a big fan. Yeah. He will even go, look, you know, there's something, the deeper we go, the more mysterious that it gets and more magical and woo that it gets. This is what I've I want to
0: jump in for a second. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't mean to interrupt you, but it was like, like, you know, when I hear the term Mm evidence-based and you know, sometimes one of the criticisms of my book is it says, well, there's not a lot of science in it. Well, there is, but it's just, it's just hidden in sort of language. that's not scientific, but what, what the F has science really done for helping people with emotion? Really? Like honestly, other than, other than Mm -hmm. maybe drugs, which really don't, I mean, they help numb the emotion and maybe calm the emotion. But I look at sort of these evidence-based programs, and what have they done? What has science really done for emotion? So that's why I'm linking into what you're saying about spirit. We have to kind of get into that spirit side too, mm-hmm. because that's that's what winds up ultimately being the missing piece in our healing. 100%. We can understand and have all these insights, but if we don't have that kind of spiritual framework, almost like a faith-based framework, yeah. not religious, not yeah. religious necessarily, not necessarily. But this faith-based program that we don't believe that we have to do everything ourselves there is a higher power than us universal intelligence yeah that we can rely on to kind of you know lean into which a lot of us as kids didn't get because we were in these alarming situations we didn't we didn't get our needs met we were powerless we were helpless or religious trauma or or religion or, yeah. or your
1: your connection to spirituality is a like a something dogma. that you have to fear is yeah. a dogma, dogma you have to yeah. fear how many of the people in our community have religious trauma that they're dealing with right and that they have to unlearn right and so i, I one of the things a, a line that i really like to say, to 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 use to this whole spirituality and material kind of commentary is i got from john d martini he said spirit without matter is matter without spirit is motionless and spirit without matter is expressionless. Want so, to say that again? So matter without spirit is motionless. Okay. And spirit without matter is expressionless. So in other words, we need both. There is a material part, and then let's let's acknowledge that there's a spiritual part. So when we go through healing, there are four stages of, of healing and spiritual growth. The first part is victimhood. In other words, it happened to me. So we must acknowledge that, right? And I see uh, somebody's uh, people who... Uh, uh, Abram uh, says people who have a victim mentality have often suffered through trauma or hard times but haven't developed a healthier way of coping. Exactly. Yeah, that's, true. that's the that's first true. stage. I want you to get that that victimhood is the first stage of healing, of spiritual development. We all must begin there because we are children who suffered alarm, abandonment, loss, um, uh what were the acronyms? rejection rejection, yeah. rejection
0: alarm loss abandonment rejection and mature too early right these make make were things growth. that
1: happened to us that's the first step right right so in order to get to the next level though if we stay there if we stay there it, it, it feels go. good it feels good to have somebody in a container of therapists saying oh my god that shouldn't have happened poor you russ What your dad did, he was wrong. He was mentally ill. He was abusive. It was wrong. You were suffering from so-and-so and and poor you. And that's how you're going to be for the rest of your life. That feels good initially to you, Russ, because it feels validating. So that, because most times victims feel like it was their fault, right? So to have somebody,
0: it feels congruent. It feels like, oh, it makes sense. And the brain, especially if you've had trauma as a child, we almost hate uncertainty right. more than anything else because uncertainty was so excruciating mm-hmm. as children that we will adopt a victim mentality as opposed to just leaving it like spiritual. It makes open. sense
1: of the history, doesn't it? It does. It helps totally. make sense of the history and it, and it kind of makes sense of the world around us. Oh, I'm a survivor. It but it puts you in a survival
0: physiology, though. Right. That's the problem.
1: And, and it, that's necessary initially. So I'm not invalidating that. People who say, my biggest critic critics tell me that I'm a victim blamer. It's like, oh, you're blaming victims. No, 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 I'm not. I'm acknowledging that. I have to happen to me as well. What I'm saying is, what's the outcome that you want? If you want healing, well, then we got to go past that. And what's the next stage? In order to go to the next stage, which is manifester, it's like the first stage is it happened to me. The next right. stage is fuck that. It's going to happen by me. I'm done being a victim. And in order to go from victim to manifester, we have to let go of blame. We have to let go of blaming ourselves. I'm a survivor. Uh, or part, parts of us blame ourselves for it. You know, deep down, oh, maybe it happened to me. There's parts of us. It's I because deserved it. I deserved yeah. it. I'm a bad person. We got to let go of that bullshit. And then blaming the other person. Cause once you get to really understanding how intergenerational trauma works, you really go, Oh shit. They didn't know either. My mom, my dad, it wasn't your dad. It wasn't your dad's fault either. Russ. Cause your dad no, was the victim of abuse. I'm in the fourth whatever. stage, baby. Exactly. I'm in the fourth stage. So the next stage, <laughs> the next stage is manifestor. So to get to the next stage, you got to let go of control. And that's, channeler it's like oh it's the first one it happened to me the next stage it happened by me to get to channeler which was what i've been working on in the last few years was it, it it's happening through me You know, it's coming through me, this this message, this vision. Now that I'm no longer a victim, it's now I have this vision. This is what you went through, Russ. You were a victim of your father's mental illness. And in order for you to get to the place where you're now a teacher and a guide and a healer, is it's happening through it 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 happened through me. And the next one is it's one with the universe. Is like everything happened for the right purpose. I was in the right place at the right time it was painful but I learned what I did and this is what my offering is to the universe there were no mistakes there were no errors there were no victims and there's a stage stages and my vision is to help people get through the victimhood stage up until the latest one and that's what we got to work on.
0: And here's the thing with physiology, right? Because that, that's what we're talking about today. Is like, okay, when you start moving towards something, when you start being, as you call it, a manifester or whatever, when you start moving towards something, you will start, you know, activating that mesolimbic dopamine system of motivation to do more of that. It's like when I stand in my power, I want to do more of this. Now, survivor starts feeling bad as opposed to feeling validated. Mm. So we move into that, and also, Guilt. yeah. And then you, and then you look at the periaqueductal gray, which is part of the brainstem, the bottom part of the brain that controls your body. It secretes a whole lot of endogenous opiates. Like, you know, your, your body's morphine, runner's high, whatever you want to call like you it. Feel
1: good. The good, feel good. You feel, feel good, good because you're moving
0: towards something, even mm-hmm. though, even when you move stuff, this is why when people move towards what they fear, they feel good. Even though there's fear there, they still feel good. It's this endogenous opiates that get secreted from the periaqueductal gray. Which, so here's what happens. So when you go into survival mode, survival physiology, you secrete a bunch of cortisol, you secrete a bunch of epinephrine, and what that does is it puts your brain into, oh my God, oh my God, we're in danger. So we start looking for danger. Now when you move towards what you're afraid of mentally or physically, you will start secreting dopamine, which says, hey, I'm on the right track. And mm. there's a there's a huge thing, and Huberman talks about this too, or Huberman, I don't know how you pronounce it. Huberman but Huberman. when you move towards something, A, you start uh, decreasing the activity of the amygdala, which is basically involved in a lot of trauma loops. Yep. So you calm that down, yep. you start secreting dopamine, so you start feeling like you're on the right track, which is another yes. thing that, that Andrew talks about, is like, when I'm on the right track, I feel better. Right. And then you also secrete this endogenous morphine, from the brainstem that says, "Hey, I feel good," so you are actually rewarded for moving towards your fear. Yeah, but it's so easy in that in that little zone. I got about half a minute left. It's so easy in that little zone when you start moving towards your fear. As soon as you get knocked back, you're you're in this very very difficult, tenuous situation that when you get knocked back it's incredibly harmful because yeah. you are much more likely to fall back into survival reassure yourself that survival is the place to be and then survival becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy
1: yeah that's why people who are on long term disability what is the what, what are the numbers oh it's, it's uh, people you've been on long
0: term who... disability for more than 18 months like it's it's something where, I don't know the exact numbers that are that are new. Yeah. But it's like ninety percent don't go back. Yes.
1: So if you're on long-term disability for more than eighteen months, yeah. Statistically, the chances of you going off are almost nil.
0: Yeah, one be- in ten.
1: Because yeah. of this very thing, because you've Ooh. now it's kind of a catch twenty-two. You know, yes, yeah. long-term disability. Oh, it's great to have that, but then. You know that's why, by the way, I stopped taking long-term disability patients in my chiropractic practice because I saw that they were not. They're there's an energetically. There's a victim. There's yeah, a victimhood now, stance to it. That
0: said, that said, there's people on long-term disability who have significant disability. Who yes, won't go back. Genuine and shouldn't go back and shouldn't Absolutely. go back.
1: Genuine, a hundred percent. We're not invalidating. We're not, not, victim, invalidating. Blaming. We're not <laughs> victim blaming. But and. We can have two things be true at the same time, right? And try being a chiropractor for 20 years and seeing long-term disability cases and then looking and going, "Uh, this person really does not want to get better. There's an energetic... Uh, psychic, block. energetic block, a block from healing. And so I was like, ah, that felt like I, that's where I was getting the burnout. I was like, I don't want to work with these types of people. And yeah. so I started kind of really going, look, I'm really going to create a boundary around my energy and only work with people who are inspired to take, to get themselves out of that first stage. And one of the greatest compliments that I get after working in a container with our clients, and, um, and you know, I'll sit down with them. I'll go, so um, what was the biggest breakthrough that you had in in working with us? And it's like, you know, I've been doing counseling and therapy for years. I've been doing counseling and therapy for years, and they just wanted to keep me stuck in my victim story. And I realize, you know, when you going to a counselor or therapist there's sometimes if they, they're they not doing their own healing work, they kind of, there's a unconscious, I don't know if this is true, you tell there's me. A there's, there's a joining. There's a joining. There's a codependency that's created yeah. that's like they become the parent and they just keep you stuck in that victim story. And it's very, very, I mean, I can remember back when I started being a coach and before I healed my traumas, I wanted to be significant to my clients, yeah. right? So there's a part of me that just wanted them to stay in that story. And so you gotta be careful of that. if you're still telling your victim story two years after the fact, you're not being supported and actually healing. I just want you to know that.
0: Yeah, I remember reading this thing and I can't remember where it was, but it's like therapists who were alcoholics or had alcohol issues were much more likely to minimize alcohol use in their patients. So the patients say, ah, oh, I really got to quit drinking. It's like, they're like, well, do you really have to quit drinking? Is that really the-? like they're, I, I'm, I'm, I'm making a point here in a way, but it's just like you, we have our own blind spots for our own traumas and we are likely to merge or join with our clients, patients. 100% we have the issue. Right. Yes. So we're both triggered by them and we want to merge with them at the same time. Counter transference. It's called yeah. counter
1: transference.
0: Exactly what it is. Like, I'm proud of you, but you know, ch- chiropractors don't learn that. Uh, right. <laughs> but I'm getting back to medicine, right? Like, so, so I had no choice, but to take long-term people who are long-term sick and that kind of stuff. And this is where, and I don't know if you guys listening are familiar with this, but in medicine, we have this thing, and I'm sure they probably do in chiropractor too. It's called the 80, 20 rule. Which is you know twenty percent of your patients will cause eighty percent of your stress. Right?
3: <laughs> yes, yes. So
0: twenty percent. So the long the people who are long term, the people that yeah. you try in every fucking medication and every treatment, they go no, I didn't They're like that. That better. didn't work. Yeah. That didn't work. That didn't work. No. And when I was practicing, I just thought, oh, must be something wrong with me. I'm not getting the right yeah. drug or whatever. It's just they did not want to heal. Unconsciously.
1: Yeah. Unconsciously. Consciously, Of course, say, I everyone wants to heal. Yeah.
0: Consciously, they would say, I hate. This. I don't want to be anxious anymore. I hate this, mm-hmm. but unconsciously they believe that their anxiety is protective. Yes. So I, my job is to try and tell you that what you believe is protective.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm
0: going to try and remove that thing that your unconscious believes is protective, yeah. which is really, which is really difficult. Yeah, but it's not in that doable.
1: Con, not in that context. In the context of the clinical practice. People are genuinely coming in. They don't know that that that's there. They exactly. don't, they, And they don't want to hear their blind spot because I'll sometimes would see patients come in and after three sessions, I'm like their neck tension would not leave. And I'm like, um, do you want to talk about what's happening in your life? And they're like, shut up, just fix my neck doc. Yeah. And I'm like- Would they tell Whoa. you to
0: shut up though? Well,
1: the, they didn't say it. Their energy said like, just fucking uh, fix my neck. Actually, one of the, f- the amazing, story, amazing stories <laughs> is- um, I was doing a talk in CBC uh, CBC Vancouver and this woman walks up to me after the talk. She goes, do you remember me? And I'm like, no. And it was Kyla. You a remember bad thing. Remember, oh, Kyla. Yeah, remember Kyla? Yeah. She comes up to me, she goes, do you remember me? I go, no. She goes, I came to you uh, as a patient eight years ago. I was like, oh shit, okay. I'm like, uh, how what, was did I do wrong? what did I do no. wrong? Immediately I was like, what did I do I wrong? Snap your and neck she's like, what? she said, I came in and my neck was killing me. And after like the third session, you told me that, you know, what's going on here? There's something deeper than this. And we need to address that. And at that moment i told i thought to myself this guy's trying to get in my head get the i'm getting yeah. the fuck out of here and i yeah. left and i never came back and now that i'm listening to what you're saying i realize i wasn't actually dealing with the real issue and i'm now ready to deal with it she jumps into my program which you know you saw like you were yeah. we worked together oh, yeah. Yeah. and her anxiety healed her diverticulitis healed
0: her relationship and her
1: relationship with her partner there was zero intimacy completely changed because we went and healed her attachment wounds and yeah. her her physiology like no more diverticulitis her anxiety got better her relationships changed because we healed her attachment traumas so it, it, not everybody's ready are they russ not no, everybody's ready it. to hear that
0: and this is this is sometimes too what 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 doctors really get get shit on for is when we tell each other you know i think this is all in our head you know all, all in their head because that's our kinda of medical way of saying look that it is this victim mentality they're showing up with symptoms that don't make sense cuz basically as doctors we're pattern recognizers. Mm-hmm. We recognize patterns. That's what we do. So when we see see someone with like, "Oh, I've got this blinding pain in my right eye and and you know, my left bowel hurts and my teeth are incredibly itchy." Like it's it's, it's these things that they that come up like that, that just don't fit a pattern. I always always and if there was one thing I could tell doctors, is like when you see that pattern, when things just don't make sense, think childhood trauma and look for it. And 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 look for
1: it, and then what do they do? It's like, what are they gonna do about that?
0: Well, that's the thing. (laughs) They don't know
1: what to do about it.
0: Well, then the next thing I would tell them is like, send them to like a somatic practitioner, or somebody who does IFS or something like that. Because just realize that doctors, and this is one of my most popular Instagram posts, doctors are not good at uh therapy they're just not even psychiatrists yes because they, they they're trained in a highly medical model we have this hammer called medication so when you have a hammer everything why would you, is yeah. why would you? yeah why would you look for like a, a crescent wrench why would you look yeah. for something else that might work when you already have a hammer that and, just seems to bash everything
1: and you're getting paid a lot of money to to do that and, and, and society kind of praises you and puts you on a pedestal and well
0: this is the other thing that i want to jump in i know i'm jumping in a lot today but, okay. but this is the other thing like in 2000 like the amount of psychiatrists in the united states doing psychotherapy was like 42 percent. right mm-hmm. so like almost one in two now in 2022 that number has dropped to about 18 percent. so about one in five psychiatrists yeah. actually do therapy because i think one of the reasons is that we get paid well they get paid more for just doing medication consults yeah, so if yeah. you can do 3 20 minute medication consults over the phone yeah you know and i think psychiatrists when when you when you're a psychiatrist for 20 years and all you've done is listen to people's horrendous problems all day, mm-hmm. I think it fucks you up. I yeah. really do. Yeah. I think secondary really PTSD. So I feel bad, yeah. I feel bad for psychiatrists. One of my clients,
1: of one of the people in our program, he's a psychiatrist and I was like, okay. he reached out and I was like, uh, you know, on a, on a kind of like one of those discovery calls and seeing, and I was like, oh, so what do you do? I like, I'm a psychiatrist. I'm like, oh, sure. okay. You're on the dark side. I didn't realize yeah. Yeah. What do you, I'm like, how did you hear about it? <sighs> he goes, well, I'm good friends. <laughs> I'm good friends with Arthur. Arthur was one of your clients. And after three months, I just don't recognize him anymore. I just don't recognize him anymore. So I was just, um, I, 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 I want to know what to do. I, 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 wanna, I want to experience what he did. And I was like, okay. Yeah. So he jumps in and I've been working with him. And after he came to the overview experience, he was like, holy shit, we don't learn this stuff. No. <laughs> we definitely like don't that. learn this. I'm like, thank you. Wow, this is so cool to have medical doctors like yourself, Russ, and then psychiatrists and then counselors. And there's other
0: medical doctors too that are, that are starting to look at things. Yeah, that but, right? but when they, they really come, through,
1: come through kind of my, my, my trainings and programs and go, wow, like we've never learned this stuff. It's, it yeah. was everything that I had pieced together just trying to help myself and then other people yeah. and helping people get out of victimhood. The number one thing that I hear is this got me out of my victim story. You know, and, and some of the things that I do want to share is it's really important, I think, for us to share, and maybe we can talk about this, is why is it that it's so hard to get out of our victim narrative? You know, why is it so hard to get out of our victim narrative? And there's about three or four reasons that I'd like to cover that are really important for us to cover so that maybe you can see yourselves in this because truly what we want the the goal of our trainings is healing it's not to invalidate your pain it's not to make it that it's your fault it's that okay it happened it sucked and i'm sorry that you went through that so what's the outcome that you want to have right yeah what's the outcome that you really want to have And here's a
0: big question like do people really know what they want
1: exactly That's the, I I asked them that I'm like, okay, great. Thanks for sharing. All right, cool. So what's your outcome? And then all of a sudden they freeze and they're like, uh, uh, I don't know. I'm like, yeah. So what's your question? And the truth is we just want to be heard.
3: That's the first thing. We just want our
1: story validated and we want to be heard. Unfortunately, research has shown by going to a therapist every single week and repeating my story and venting. What does that do to your nervous system, Russ?
0: Well, it, it you know it becomes a conditioned response, right? So you go, you know, you're going to get a bit of a, a respite from your pain. So you go, and then so you're you're almost like Pavlovian condition, like Pavlov's dogs, to go every week because you get a little hit. And you know, as well as I do, that people don't do anything until they hit rock bottom. Until right they hit, You know, they get in divorce, they get cancer, they get a heart attack, whatever. they don't they're not really gonna address their
1: wounds. They, they, they won't address their yeah. wounds directly unless yeah. they hit rock bottom. They avoid people, we avoid doing the work until there's a rock bottom
0: because there's too much you know, like there's no growth without pain, right? right. So we know, When we have to go back into that pain, we don't want to go back into that pain.
1: Yes, and Renee wrote down there, do people really know what they want? And no, the answer is no. And if you go to a therapist and they are a counselor and they aren't trained in helping you get a specific outcome, that's why almost in every training that I do, I'm like, why are you here again? What's the outcome that you want to have? And true transformation, here's what it is. If you don't know what you want, maybe let me invite you into looking at this for a change. True transformation can only happen when you have a shift in your normal trauma responses. Fight, yeah. flight, freeze, and fawn. If you fight and flight every time you get activated and triggered, then what does healing look like? It looks like you getting triggered, but not fighting and running. By It's like me and my wife, getting into an argument where my old self would have ran away or fought with her, my new evolved work that I'm doing is to lean into staying, lean into sticking around and getting into a conversation to be able to heal after I've given myself a cooling off period, a transformation in that. If you are a freeze or a hider or a fawner and submit, well then, your healing will look like standing up for yourself, speaking up your minds, assessing boundaries. And if you don't have a change in these outcomes from your trauma responses, I'm sorry to say that your uh, the work that you're doing isn't actually moving the needle forward in your healing because that's really what we're doing the healing work for is to see a change in our trauma responses into getting outcomes that actually transform and Often, by going inventing. okay, so what happened this week? Tell me about your problems this week. And this thing happened, oh, it was all because of your childhood. See you next week. There's no transformation. You're not actually healing. And this is what 95% of our students say, is that they haven't seen changes like, actually doing the inner like somatic healing work and healing and integrating our shadows so i just really wanted to say th- th- what do you want make what you want a transformation in your trauma responses so that you can have the capacity to hold a secure relationship
0: yeah and i think it really is that that's the where the physiology comes in right so that's when you start teaching yourself when you start feeling that you know what I'm going into this trauma response, but I'm going to allow it. I'm rather than running up into my head, and and going into my rumination and my thoughts and my anxiety and my worries. You know, um, it's being able to kind of say, okay, this hurts, but I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to move towards the pain. And when you move towards the pain, like I said, your neurophysiology will come up to support you. But if you move away from the pain, like when you move away from anything, your brain says you're moving away from this, it must be dangerous. Mm. So when you get the, and then you will start secreting epinephrine and cortisol. And here's the thing about the cortisol. Cortisol paralyzes your hippocampus and your hippocampus is this integrative structure in the brain. It It has fibers literally that go to almost every region of your brain. And if you paralyze your hippocampus, you're not able to establish these new programs that will allow you to heal so you'll stick in your old program yeah. so whenever you get stuck into a, a trauma response basically move towards it and then you'll re-engage that hippocampus <laughs> you'll, you'll start creating more easier stuff for easier said
1: than done isn't it
0: i well totally yeah i mean <laughs> it to, but it's like but the thing is move in like like it reminds me of Brené Brown she says you know people are hard to hate close up so move in, Yeah, move in.
1: I- the thing is, is that we, we hear this a lot, but easier said than done, because how many people say, yeah, I want to heal, I'm ready. And then all of a sudden they get confronted by that trauma response and then they run, they run the other way. Um,
0: yeah. Well, they don't want, you don't want to go into your trauma. Like that's
1: the thing, but you've got to feel it to heal it. Like it
0: really is. You got to be able to feel it and be willing to feel it. And sometimes you need a guide. Sometimes you need support. Some traumas are huge and you don't want to touch them. I don't think you you can do it. it
1: I don't think you can do it without a guide. We're not meant to do it alone yet. No one can do it for us, but we can't do it alone. So to be part of a container, to have a guide kind of hold your, you know, a, a, a mirror to your blind spots, because we keep avoiding our natural reaction is to avoid and to run away from. So, to heal, like you just said earlier, what was the part of the brain of the peri- ad- ad- periaductal gray?
0: Periaqueductal gray. Yeah.
1: It, it, it requires us to move forward when we want to move back, and so sometimes we need to have somebody have accountability and hold our feet to the fire. I sure as heck did not do it alone. So, so yeah. to think that oh, let me just you know, watch the videos and make that be the only thing that it's not going to, it's not really going to work. So I wanted to go over a few notes that I made about why we love to be victims so much. What you're and up maybe against. Maybe we should
0: bring some people up too. Like, <clears throat> like sure. We
1: okay. Let me, let me just go over, emailing. let me just go over the top four reasons. Top right. four reasons why we why it's so hard to get out of victimhood, so that we can okay. see what we're all as human beings up against, that's going to block our healing. And it all has to do with the ego. So the first one, the victimhood, serves four primary psychological needs of our ego. The first one is is that it restores a sense of agency. Because if something happened to you, uh, you know, you feel in this sense of despair. By being a victim, I get to be somebody. You know, I get to be somebody I get to be my identity is now, you know, ah, I'm a survivor, right? And then by being a somebody by being the victim, I become somebody. And some people actually make a lot of money from their newly found profession of victimhood. Oh, sure. you got to be be careful. There's professional victims out there that are. Uh, so it, 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 that's the first thing, right? The second thing is victimhood makes sense of our history, like we talked about before. Yeah, and it makes sense of the world around us when we don't know. Oh, I'm a vic. I'm a survivor. Oh, now that makes sense. Oh, my dad was a my dad was a narcissist. Ah, my ex was a abuser. Ah, it gives us kind of, kind of like a structure order and a purpose even maybe a sense of karmic justice and that when we're in despair and we're in survival stress that's very useful to us does that make sense oh yeah
0: yeah i mean it lowers uncertainty that's that's basically what we're doing and like i said earlier when you have trauma as a child uncertainty becomes almost public enemy number one right so anything you can do to minimize uncertainty you will do right. unconsciously and less so consciously but mostly unconsciously.
1: yeah like this is who i am right yeah so the third I'm a one
0: survivor of this exactly
1: yeah. so the third one why, why victimhood is so hard for us to get past is that you've been listening to the trigger proof podcast designed to teach you the most important skill necessary for a dramatically changing world which is nervous system regulation becoming trigger proof doesn't mean trigger less it means learning how to regulate ourselves to bring us back to center so that we can then be governed by our purpose rather than from our wounds anytime there's reactivity there's a wound and if you're curious and inspired to learn more, join us at Breathwork and Badassery, or the Overview Experience, and a combination of both actually helps you do the work. There's a difference between listening to a podcast and actually showing up live and doing the work with a badass community who's all about breaking cycles of intergenerational trauma. It didn't start with you, but it can end with you if you're willing to do the work. See you at the next perfect time. Victimhood, especially when you're in what we call a dorsal freeze, a shutdown response where you, you know, we find safety in avoiding, the victimhood basically gives us permission to avoid the world and, and shun the world, right? And I okay. went through this, by the way, when we were talking about vaccinations and stuff last summer where I was like, oh my gosh, I see what's coming up. They're trying to use this to justify mandating people. And, da, da, da. and I, was, I went into that and I became encased. I avoided yeah. the world. I saw everybody as an enemy. Like I went there. Like I'm, I'm yeah. fully transparent. I, 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 I realized as I sat there and I was feeling so shitty, I realized that victimhood is an encasement. It's like a coffin; it mummifies you and then renders you a corpse and constricts you. Well, it's a shield,
0: yeah. It's a shield, but it shields you from it. You know, potentially shields you from the outside. But what it does is it keeps you locked in the inside, like you don't change.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. And the fourth one is victimhood, gives us a sense of grandiosity. Yeah. This is somebody that you and I know very well, Russ. Oh, I know. Who gets to (laughs) you know. Uh, it's like, get validated, oh Oh, I'm blameless, there's a moral, I'm I'm an empath, I'm blameless, I'm morally superior, I'm angelic, in other words, it's a morality play, it's what happens when we kind of feel so hurt, it's this psychological construct called splitting, where it's, it's all good versus all evil, they're the monster, I'm the angel, and unconsciously, When you really look at it, you become the narcissist. Every single narcissist has this sense of grandiosity of us versus them. They're evil. I'm good.
0: And then they get the oh you poor thing like you did the oh you survived like yeah. good for you for you know making the best of this and all this kind of like they, they become the narcissist and they get fed by all these other people right and, and, and this cycle it's continues it's, it's addictive. addictive that's right it's totally addictive
1: and they can't it's the worst it's the it's the most kind of really painful thing to watch when somebody who has been a victim of abuse for example yeah. is now turned into the covert narcissist morally superior all good versus all evil it's black or it's white there is no in between this is what they uh, amber heard's psychologist uh, yeah. that was on the stand you sent me that link uh, yeah. it was like oh it's it's part of uh, you know narcissistic personality disorder, borderline personality disorder, constantly, histrionically, it's like they're the villain. There's no ability to own what you project in the other person. There is no in-between. It's kind of like when George Bush, he said, George, he said, you're either with us or you're with the terrorists. You know, it's very typical tur- of narcissists and borderlines.
0: But he doesn't, George doesn't pronounce the E though. He, it's like his <laughs> E's turned into U. So you're either with this or you're with the terrorist. <laughs> terrorist. The, tur-
1: tur- nu- the tur- Nuclear. Nuclear. Yeah.
0: Nuclear, which isn't a word.
1: Nuclear. Um, yeah. And so here it, here it is, is that. When when this happens is remaining a victim. Here's the p- worst part of it: it becomes a memorial shrine. This this narcissist that you're victim you're a victim to that that we hear all the time in in my kind of line of work. You've now memorialized. You've now created a shrine to this person. Yeah. You've now created a shrine, and because who are
0: you without this person? Right, who are you without w- without it's your what identity? They
1: did to you? It's become yeah. your identity, and you can't yes. heal. You either have your victim story or you have healing, because you cannot have both, can you, Russ? And it
0: can be the church anything. too, and it can be the church, anything. as well. Like it can be anything. You know, you just sort of put this thing up as as your mirror. This yes. becomes your mirror, and if your mirror disappears, you disappear.
1: Right, right,
0: because you can't see yourself. So, I should write that down. That was really good.
1: It's. It's beautiful. (laughs) Do a post about it. But why we're trying to say this is very controversial. I acknowledge that. The thing is, is that we are in a society. There's so many narc abuse survivor coaches and forums and therapists and counselors that unconsciously are keeping you stuck in one story. And, yeah. and it's important. It's important to acknowledge your the the harm that came to you. Acknowledge your side of it. Acknowledge that it did happen. That you are in a lot of pain, and that it didn't. It wasn't right. Okay. Okay. Great. Cool. Now yeah. what? Now yeah. what do you want? do you yeah. want healing do you want to have healthy relationships now what do you want what do you want do you want to have how he- do you want to be able to feel safe in your body now do you want to be able to trust again do you want to look in the mirror and say i love you do you want to be able to feel empowered or do you really want to use this story to keep you empowered yeah do you, you see, choose you your call world
0: yeah do you want to see the world as as you perceive it or do you want to see the world as it really is and that's the thing about this this uh, johnny depp amber heard they're both abusers both right. of them are right right so it's just like they're both the narcissist they're,
1: they're both a the codependent
0: they, yeah but 100%. you know it's just but because of splitting and and because we're getting into survival physiology again, mm-hmm. people want to vic- They want to say, "Oh, Johnny's a victim. Johnny's like this," yeah. and and on some level he is. Yes, of yes. course. Yes. But on some level, so is Amber. Amber's a victim too. You know. To so heal this, we is- got
1: to be able to own that we are the victim, we're the perpetrator, and the rescuer in the drama yeah. triangle, which I cover in the at the overview experience. It's a really cool exercise where we see where we are to heal this. This is a group of people dedicated. To healing that's what the training's about where we, we we draw the drama triangle we see where we're the victim then we see where we're the villain oh the your ego yeah. your ego's not gonna like that and then yeah. when we see what what the kind of root cause of it all it all begins with a rescue operation every victim story begins with a rescue operation where you're the rescuer or you're the damsel in distress being rescued. That
0: a lot of these relationships, these intense, intense trauma relationships. Trauma bonds,
1: that's where they all begin. Bonds, yeah, yeah. Is a rescue? Att- There's a yeah. rescue operation happening. And when you're trying to rescue like the damsel in distress or the addict who you're just trying yeah. to save because my love is going to be enough to help them with their yeah. addiction or their problem, maybe I can love them into healing, which is a narcissistic kind of yeah. God-like kind of view of ourselves unconsciously. Um mm-hmm. When it doesn't turn out being the thing that, help them they then feel hurt by you and then now the vic they feel victimized by you and the victim then turns into the perpetrator and the perpetrator now is victimized and now you go back and forth in this drama triangle and nobody's healing until you and actually that's look johnny at it. and
0: amber that's the same that's the same thing Hundred percent. both they both do it and so we maybe all love it we people.
1: can't get enough so
0: yeah we should get to some people Adriana, what you guys to add?
1: welcome
2: hello hi guys hello Happy good weekend. um well it's gonna be my birthday weekend so but I, happy, I, birthday, happy birthday, birthday. Thank you thank you I just wanted to ask a question I because I you know I come every week and I listen and and I try to apply as much as I can to my own personal life but this week during um, uh you know the navigation of my work and handling my customers and I you know I ended up kind of having, I don't want to say a shutdown, but when I, when my watch alerted me about the shooting of the children, uh, I, 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 my reaction was no emotion. Is that, I mean, I just couldn't, I couldn't even, I haven't been able to speak about it. I, I, I feel like like your guys' teaching is what needs to be done to help these kids. Um, I don't know. I just, I, I, there has to be a solution to the problem, but it's such a big uh, rabbit hole to go down. I don't want to talk about that part, but I'm just trying to like deal with my own emotions. And what is it that happens when you have like that type of bad news? What does your body and your brain do that makes you feel nothing? it's almost like a numbing it's like a
0: protective it's a it's very protective you know you it is you create a lot of adrenaline a lot of cortisol and it's it's an overwhelm and then your brain looks for a way out like your brain Mm -hmm. looks for a way out and then with with us and this sort of gun violence in the states we've been through this so many times and we know that there's no way out we know that there's no way out. Whereas maybe five years ago we think, oh, maybe they'll they'll enact some legislation and that, that they'll change things. But now we know there's no way out. So there's this sense of futility. And when you yeah. and this is where the fight, flight, or freeze comes in. So basically, if you're sympathetic, you get activated sympathetically with with adrenaline. And then if there's no way out, if you're, it's like being cornered by a predator, like a, a mouse will completely shut down because they know that there's no there's no path out so you go into this freeze response and you don't feel anything because that's protective at that point so i don't know if you want to add to that name
1: yeah it's called the dorsal freeze um when your emotions i don't know adriana do you have children
2: Yes, I do. Okay. Both of my children are uh, responders, first responders. Okay. They're, they're oh, wow. Well, then, firefighters, paramedics. Well, then, so of I,
1: course, of course, that you, my brain goes, y- yep. your brain goes into thinking of them, thinking of children dying, thinking of all that. And then your nervous system says, This is too much for me. I can't deal with this right now. I don't want to feel the painful emotions because I don't have, you know, and plus, if this is your, you know, when you, as a child, you had these big emotions that ca- came up and nobody sat you down and taught you because how many of us have unicorn parents that know how to do that and sat you down and taught you how to feel and and contained you to be able to have those emotions you then found safety in in shutting down and so that's called the dorsal shutdown and that's why uh that's what's happened and so uh, you know i it's really important. I mean, the more compassion that you have towards yourself, the more ability for you to move through those emotions. But that's why there's you know we have there's breath work out there. there's it's it's wise for you to move move through that because if we don't work through that, it accumulates in our body and it shows up in our health. Yes. That's, that's yes. Many of us have that shutdown thing that you just talked about, but you literally are going through it every day. So it's like an argument happens or a conflict that happens or you have to shut down just to survive going to work. Those are the people who get sick. And so that's why it's important to find a guide in a community that can actually teach you how to consistently work through those emotions, Adriana. Is that helpful?
0: Yep. yep. It's also and, a, It's and, also a form of dissociation. as well like you just Mm -hmm. you you don't associate with yourself anymore you become this kind of alter ego this kind of distracted whatever because there is no way out when there's no way out you know that you'll see some people get in a rage like that uh senator he went into rage and it's like so that his sympathetic thing because part of him still felt like okay i can make a difference here but for us on the street or whatever, especially if you're a Canadian, like you can't make a difference. And basically you are held as a, as a, a hostage to these mass shootings in the States because you have no agency whatsoever yeah. over this. Like so
1: it's none. just safer to shut down and dissociate. It is. Yeah. It is. Yeah.
2: Thanks that's for asking. Exactly. What ha- yeah. That's exactly what happened. And so, so um, I, I did take a moment, and go to the back and I just, went into my you know, I just sat down, put my feet on the floor like you guys have taught yeah. taught us to do, and I just started breathing and I closed my eyes and I said, I'm okay, everything's okay, I'll be all right. And I just kind of talked to myself out of it. Yeah. Um, Am I
0: safe in this moment? That's what I yeah. would call it. Am yeah. I safe um, in this I moment? I was safe
2: in this moment and I did it. So I really appreciate you guys. I thank you so cool. much for answering my question. I appreciate you bet. It. Great
1: great
0: question. You, thank you. Happy, yeah. birthday. Happy, Happy birthday. Have a
3: great birthday. birthday.
1: My dear. Thank you. Thank- awesome. Luana, welcome
3: hello everyone hello what's your question i'm back so i have uh, many questions but i write uh, three points that i am listening and i remember but first one i I want to share that i discovered something that blew my mind like uh uh, dr nima said do you want to feel empowered or real empower, empowered or use a story story that fill you with empowerment you know it's like and i discovered that i was using stories to feel empowered like yeah using your victim story
1: life, using your victim like, story to, as a as a like empowerment story
3: yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the the thing, uh, the common. context, it's like uh, I did two rhinoplasty, rhinoplasty, I don't know how to say that. You got
1: a, you gotta, you had your nose operation.
3: Yes, exactly. Rhinoplasty, <laughs> okay. rhinoplasty. And yeah. the first one, the first one went a little wrong. So I was uh, at the same time that I was happy because I I didn't have that big nose that I have, but it was little tort uh, um, uh, a little to the to one side
1: okay so you weren't happy
3: with it yeah so i did another one to correct it okay and the and i asked something the doctor said uh, it was doing that and and send me the image the simulation and okay but then he did it the other thing totally totally different and I I went to a depression so harder yeah and uh, I realized that after the first te- uh, rhinoplasty, the surgery rhinoplasty, I was yeah. yeah I was really happy but I was feeling empowered but with a story that uh, wasn't the real me you know it's like uh i am so much than uh nose and it's so shocking realizing this because i i am feeling good from the past past weeks you know it's like it's really strange to say this to the the many people here and because i i really don't talk about this it's like I'm, i'm talking about this it's so strange but um uh, getting back to the the point it's like i was uh hugging a story to feel empowered ah, but I don't so you just that.
1: saw that you just you just recognized from today's share where you were using this exactly. kind of victim story to feel empowered great luana thank you for sharing that that took a lot of vulnerability
3: yeah i i talked this because I, I don't know if there is another person that is Really hugging, so I'm sorry and feeling sorry about one thing, but that is so many other things important. But the, the other points that I'm, I'm really talking, I really wanna talk about the patterns is, I have some patterns that I really don't know how to break. It's like discussions with my ex boyfriend I I was running away from the discussions, the the serious talks and being rude with with him it's like i i really know that i went wrong with so many things and this too so luana, luana what, do you, what do you want
1: yeah what, what is it what, what what is it that what, what, you're what, what you is like, it that you're asking what's your
0: yeah. ultimate goal like what, what like, would you like to see in yourself
3: i i like to break this pattern i like to Stop being rude with with the persons I love. Okay. Uh, now with my my parents and and not getting out with getting run away from the 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 talks. You know.
1: Yeah, she's a runner. Right. So she's it's a runner.
0: connecting with yourself. It's really connect, finding finding the child part of you that didn't feel validated, that didn't feel supported, and then you support and validate that little girl in you that didn't feel like she was heard. And then, then you hear her and as you hear her, she, the alarm, the the sort of uh, belligerent behavior, the rudeness, whatever, that starts to fade away because it's you don't need to protect yourself so much anymore because you're protecting that little version of yourself that's creating all this negative energy. So as soon as you connect with that little version of yourself, she'll feel protected and yeah. won't need to sort of act out so much anymore.
1: Yeah, there's a part of you, Luana, that doesn't feel safe. Uh, when you have a conflict and your work is to lean into sticking around and lean into self-regulation and so to learn how to do that and to get the training in doing that. Because you can hear this on Clubhouse uh, or a podcast or read a book on it, but until you actually uh, move towards and break the pattern and and practice changing the story in your body that happens when when somebody has a conflict with you when you get Rude. You poke. You are a fighter and a runner. So your work is to lean into co-regulation. So this is where the avoidant attachment. You know where we talk about attachment trauma. If you if you don't know what your attachment style is, definitely check. If you go on my Instagram, and you catch the link in the bio, you can fill out a little survey. It's like the attachment. It's a quiz that finds out your attachment style and the way Luana that you're describing it. Um, is that you're more of an avoidant attachment, which is like you get into a conflict and then it triggers you and then you fight and then want to run because you don't feel safe in being with that person. You don't feel heard. So your work is to lean into self-regulating, learning how to connect with the younger parts of yourself that get triggered and then you're integrating your shadows and then staying in and being empathetic. And if you can do that, then you'll be able to create secure relationships. Is it going to be easy? No. Are you going to be able to do it just with listening to a clubhouse chat without training? No, it's going to take practice. It's going to take you showing up and learning the tools, but, uh, it's worth learning because our relationships without the ability to look and, and, and Self-regulate and see what we're judging in other people and be able to own what we project in other people. if we can't do that, then our relationships are doomed. That's why relationships are so uh challenging because we don't have these skills because we nobody taught us. So it's a really important skill for all of us to learn, Luana That's yeah. true.
0: thanks, thank Luana you thanks, thanks so for much your
1: thank you. thanks for your question. Thank yeah, you so much.
0: I guess the bottom line really is is what we're talking about with physiology, neurophysiology is move towards what scares you, you know. And if it's yeah. if it's completely overwhelming, then <laughs> get a guide, get some help, that sort of thing. Easier but said than done. Yeah, of course. This is the
1: name but, of the game. Is but is. in
0: small, like small wins. Like if you start having a fight with your partner, right? Can I move into this? You know, with with compassion for myself and for the other person rather than my normal pattern which would be either you know make a big fight or run away can right. i do something different can i regulate myself so that i can make a change because yeah. if you're not regulated in your body you're not going to make this conscious choice you're just not you're going to act in your avoidant you know disorganized whatever your attachment style is you're going to you're going to default to that as opposed yeah. to regulating yourself in your body and then making a conscious choice yeah. to move towards what's scaring you, you so know? that like you see a
1: transformation yeah. in your behavior if you like i mean how many times did i hear my mom going to the psychologist or reading all these books and but i saw no change in the way she would react to things right a true transformational guide will help you do something different something new than the old previous pattern which is to run which is to freeze which is to poke and so make sure that that that's where you're going. This is why I'm such a stickler in all the containers that I teach, is that why are you here? I don't know why. Okay, great. Let's identify what that is because... The, how many times do we hear, oh, I've been doing therapy for 20 years, but I feel oh, like yeah. I'm getting nowhere. Yeah, that's because you're just having a conversation and venting every week without any outcomes. I'm more of an outcome person. I want to be able to go, look, I'm investing this much. I'm investing three months in being in this. What? Uh, this is what I get everybody to do. What yeah. will have to happen in the next three months for you to go, holy crap. For the, for people, this is what I love is getting DMs from the partners from husbands and wives and children of our clients going i don't recognize my mom what have you done with my husband and that's what that can only happen if you're outcome focused and what you want is pointed at a change in our attachment distress responses fight flight freeze fawn so every one of my Trainings are like, all right, Here, are the, here's how we do it. And it's hard. It involves going up and asking questions for feedback. Oh, I don't wanna get feedback. I don't wanna hear critical feedback. Oh, great. Well, guess what? You're gonna learn how to receive feedback and not react in, in, in defensiveness so that the people around you feel safer to be themselves around you. And you're able to handle feedback a lot. Remember when we first started h- hanging out, Russ? How was I able to, was I able to take any feedback at that time?
0: (laughs) No, not well. Not well. well,
1: And so now it's like, give me the feedback because I knew that I wanted change. And the only way that your, any of your investments for your um, personal growth are worth it. And you get what you pay for, by the way. So this, you can't expect Clubhouse or YouTube videos to be transformation work. The only way that you can see that it's worth your money, your investment, is that the way that you react to your mother, to your father, to whoever, is different, is something new than what your old pattern of falling back into victimhood, getting triggered, fighting, and then running is. Otherwise, there's no evol- evolution, there's no growth, and that's what I really want you to look for in in a guide.
0: Yeah, you got to do something differently and then, and then see that you're doing it differently. I think that's a huge thing is that, you know, when I work with people, I'm constantly saying, you know, what is it that you want? What mm. is it that you want? What is it that you want? Because if you don't give the unconscious a pathway, it will default back to what it knows. which exactly. is Typically your old trauma. So you'll get into that old trauma loop and that because that trauma loop is familiar and you're secreting all sorts of adrenaline in there, we get addicted to the drama and the trauma, and it's hard. Just like you know, Dominic. Dominic right is Sarah. addicted yeah. to his Dominic victim is, story. Ah, got you didn't a give huge, me what I wanted. Got a huge issue right there.
3: Exactly. Got a huge
0: issue right there. So, so yeah. I, I mean, I think it's really. The, I think that the the bottom line again is to sort of move towards what frustrates you, what scares you. Yes. Move towards it, even if, even even a slight movement towards overrides a tremendous <laughs> movement backwards
1: you, you know? know what's funny it's it's hilarious this one 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 woman sandy was in in our Psycho breakers portal and she dm'd me after our last call and said you know that was amazing i've totally see where i'm stuck and i told her i said you're gonna need some one-to-one work just you yeah. know friend to friend what you're dealing with these group Group calls are great, but to have a one-to-one guide to help you in those scary parts. And you know what she said? She said, I'm kind of scared to work with you because you remind me of my ex-husband. And mm-hmm. I said, I get that. I've heard that a lot. <laughs> I hear that a lot. Yeah, well, you remind me of you, my ex-husband You too. remind me of my narcissistic <laughs> ex-boyfriend. Gee, thanks. Yeah. Uh, occupational yeah. hazard. Okay, cool. Uh, or, or this other coach or this energy healer that I went right. with and I had a bad experience with. And I'm like, okay. So- you're using that as an excuse to back away. And then I told her, I said, can you see how if you want to change your relationship with your ex that you actually have to lean in? Kind of like what you said. What was the part of the nervous system that gets activated when we, it's the habenula. It's when we move in towards... Uh, well-
0: uh, well, there's a bunch of different things. There's a xiphoid nucleus. Which that's is it, when you the xiphoid nucleus. Okay. When you
1: okay. move towards what, was, what you just said, leaning yep. in. So I told her yeah. that and she goes, you're right, I got to do it. And she did because I reminded her of her ex, right? And so it's like if she can handle that container, now she's ready for being able to speak to the ex. So doing that's what the, scares yeah. the crap out of you again and again and again is what what life is all about. And, and so and
0: baby steps forward like it really is about just sort of going I'm going to do this a little bit differently this time. Of course it's going to trigger me. That's how of you build self-trust. Gonna, yeah, and that's and this is why you know I kind of like Mel Mel Robbins stuff about the 54321 go mm. like like it really does kind of help you move towards something that nor that everything in your old trauma loop is telling you to move away from when you make a different pattern and this is what i'm talking about with intention like when you create that intention you will more likely to fall into it it's like when women have self-defense training they will fight back mm. more more often right if they don't have any self they will freeze
1: they will freeze know, you're attacked. that's the so, training that's what we do and the, tra- that's the and, the, and the training what do they do in the training they put you in situations where you're Kind of like yeah. being attacked on the mat so yeah. that you respond differently. Well, healing from what triggers us is the same way. You got to actually evoke it. But the yeah. biggest obstacle is you're going to say, well, no, I don't want to evoke it. Can I? It's like saying, I want to heal from my uh, fear of elevators. All right, let's get to work on it. Oh, but don't put me in an elevator though. It's like, well, you're going to have to get into an elevator eventually to transcend eventually. it, eventually, eventually to transcend it. Yeah. But for you to say, no, but I want to heal from my fear of elevators, but don't ever put me in an elevator. You're living in a fantasy world.
0: But it's a, you get a, a brilliant look at the unconscious mind there, right? Like consciously, I want I want to be able to go in an elevator, right? And then unconsciously it's like, but no way I'm going to do it. So that's the whole human condition: is that consciously we want to do something, but unconsciously we're, you know, ninety-five percent of our motivation and stuff comes from we don't. So we don't, and we don't want to heal because it hurts.
1: Right, we don't want to, so We don't. We're af- we're afraid of our pain. We're afraid yeah. of we're afraid of fear and we're afraid of pain and in order to because we from, go
0: back to that place like right when we go into our you know if you look at the way the amygdala works and I know we got to wrap up pretty quickly here but the amygdala has no sense of time so if you got bitten by a dog when you're ten years old or whatever when you when a dog approaches you now. Part of your physiology will directly and exactly match that physiology that you had when you got bit by that dog right. at ten years old, and part of you will regress to ten years old. Right, right. So the thing is, but you don't realize. No, you can't see by, it because you're possessed by.
1: You can't see it when you're possessed by it. It's a blind yeah. spot. That's why we need a guide. And so, in yep. order to have a guide, we have to actually risk. Going out, so it's really difficult. Many people don't heal from anxiety because of that reason. So it's something that stays with them. Because to heal from anxiety, we have to trust. But the reason why we don't trust is because of our past wounds that has us not trusting. But but we have to trust in. We have to we have to take the leap and and trust ourselves in order to build self trust. It doesn't come without taking that leap. So I love teaching people about that. It
0: really is practice. You know, it's like I teach people how to get out of their anxiety, but it's like I show them in the first, you know, four sessions I do with them. This is what you have to do. And now it's just completely up to you. Like now you just practice what I've shown you, you know, find the alarm in your body. No
1: one can do it for us.
0: Connect with it, connect with it and just keep doing it. Just keep doing it because that that child in us does not want to be uh, exposed to their fear again. So if 100%. you show them if you're there you know you're not a 10 year old with a dog bite anymore you're yeah. the adult who's looking back at that 10 year old going hey I'll yeah. look after you you're okay yeah. you know you've got a safety in me
1: and the second you choose to heal the second you do something that you decide to you know let's say I see many of you guys who are coming to our overview many 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 who are here in the in the room are coming to the overview experience tomorrow Did yourself can you hear can you hear me now
0: yeah yeah uh, many I here
1: want. I can see her coming to the overview experience tomorrow like nice you you you, um, you choose to change do something to change your life you're going to be met with that trauma response like you have to you when you sign up you got to actually sign up to 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 face it I'm signing up to face the very thing I'm looking to heal you know so I took a course on healing my money trauma and guess what came up the second that I signed up for it all of my money trauma fears how right? much did it cost <laughs> well it it was it was pretty expensive and
0: so that part of it money
1: part of it was bringing all of that up so that I can create the safety around that within myself because I'm so committed to facing my fear and expanding you know my life in all areas health and wellness and health wealth uh, friendships connection relationships so we're here we have one shot at this life and so um, there's a way to do it. Uh, where we can actually enjoy, where we're building a life of design, not of duty, not run by our fears.
0: Nice. Well, I think we should wrap it up there. What do you Beautiful.
1: think? Beautiful. Yeah, I had a good time. That was fun. Yeah, me too. Thanks me to too. all of the guests and the shares. And um, I, I, I thought exposure therapy was not recommended for trauma. Yeah, it depends on what your, uh, it depends yeah. on what your, <laughs> what your outcome is. Right.
0: Every, every every successful modality depends on exposure therapy.
1: Every like, yes.
0: But but it's guided. It's, it's supported. Guided, right. Right. So it's not like you're you're on your own or whatever. Yeah. And exposure pe- therapy actually works well for some conditions. Yes. So It's not like you can say all it's, or none.
1: It's titrated. It's about titrating. And people who yeah. say I want to heal from my past, but I don't want to face it. How about yeah. you want to talk about that for a moment? I want to heal from my past, but I don't want to actually face it.
0: Well, that's like mindfulness. Mindfulness practitioners—that—that's kind of their thing—is that getting in the moment, getting in the moment with sensation does help. It does—it does ease the pain for sure, but it doesn't actually resolve. puts you forward. Yeah, puts you into that connected state. That's my big issue with mindfulness—is like, like you're right there with mindfulness. You've got yourself into the present moment now can you connect with that younger traumatized version of yourself rather than just staying in the moment now that's what most people do though is that they want to not maybe not most but they want to stay in that mindfulness bliss state that's bliss
1: bypass
0: because it yeah, because it feels good, right. but you can only do that for so long. Right. Eventually, your trauma will yes. catch up Pe- with you.
1: People who say, I don't want to go into my past. I don't uh, want to deal with it. I'm a, I mindful just, bachelor, I'm a mindfulness. Yeah. I just want to think of the future. We don't have to deal with the or past. The yeah. uh, I invite you to realize that your past is in your face every day, every time you get triggered. So you can't avoid it. So what the real work is about going back and rewiring the narrative in your body... About the past and cre- creating what Daniel Siegel calls a coherent narrative about your past in your body. And so those are the ones who uh, do greatest. So the person who wrote down, you know, I thought trauma therapy doesn't, exposure therapy isn't trauma. Like in order to, he- that, those are the, the, the people who say, oh, I don't wanna go back and, and re traumatize myself. Yes, of course, nobody wants to re traumatize ourselves, but there's a way of, titrating which is going back and just kind of like dipping in and experiencing it we must revisit it peter levine even says we must revisit those and bring safety to those past memories not to avoid them right but to actually go back and revisit them and bring those parts and create a coherent narrative and bring them to safety so the the cave you fear entering the cave that you fear entering holds the treasure you seek. Yeah. So you, this Joseph Campbell. So the thing that you're most afraid of is what must be faced and you won't want to do it. That's why so many people don't heal from anxiety and trauma. Mm-hmm. But those who do, you find the right guide and you can overcome it and create secure relationships. And then we
0: help other people. yes. That's how it all works. That's how it all comes together. Yes, so. absolutely. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. Know, you. Overviews tomorrow. Is that, is that what you're saying?
1: Overview experience. There's a whole bunch of people yeah. in this room. I really look forward to guiding you. What I do, it's a six-hour event where I take your worst trigger, where you feel victimized by. I put you through this amazing exercise. By the end of it, you have dissolved your victim story. Some people who are like, "Oh my God, I've had this story for twenty five years. It feels like twenty five years of therapy was done in an afternoon," and it it is. And I really look. I love teaching people this. This is a conglomeration of all of my um, training from all of the brilliant minds, from Peter Levine to John D. Martini to from Byron me. Katie, from Russell Kennedy, of course. <laughs> now, I'm not going to leave you out of that. God, God forbid. <laughs> Doctor Evil like, as well, yeah. Dr. So Evil. it's called the Overview Method. This is the method yeah. I teach to help people overcome their victim story. Not just, you know, I forgive you, but truly find power where you once found what where you were disempowered with that story and change the narrative in your body. And I love teaching. Yeah,
0: changing it. the feeling as opposed to just changing the thinking. You can beyond change the, the story,
1: beyond the story.
0: Yeah, you can you can change the thinking with like CBT and ACT and all those kind of things but it doesn't tend to stick right it if, unless you change the feeling behind it as well slowly your ego will just sort of sabotage you back into the same old trauma again
1: mm. yeah okay big love to you trina what you said what you're love? a high school guidance counselor i'll tell you what you do you heal uh we have teachers counselors Um, therapists in our programs, you do the work and heal and you will be able to, like one of my facilitators, actually, she's a teacher and she now has created, based on the work that we've taught her, she's now created her own Healing circle within her classrooms because she's learned the tools of self regulation. So, uh, unfortunately, Trina, you did not. And it's not none none of this is your fault. You didn't receive the training in how to help your students deal with their anxiety. But if you do your healing work, you become a lighthouse by default. Everybody who. Every all, all our students who do our their programs, they say I'm a better parent. Wow, I'm a better teacher. I'm a you know anything becomes better. Even your therapy that you do becomes it lands and it sticks more because you've healed at a, certain, a kind of body based level. So that's my. I love uh,
0: the fact that I love the fact that you say we sh- we should wrap it up and then you keep kind of, I and know. Then you keep dragging. I out see questions. these great
1: questions and I'm know, like, oh, I know, I know, not she's, and I don't she's mind. dealing with students. Mind. She's yeah. dealing with students with anxiety. Mind. Yeah, You know, because like we have a crisis going on with our kids. Oh, yeah, and so I want Trina, Trina, send me a DM and I'd love to chat more with you about it. But uh, big love to all of you tomorrow. Those of you coming to overview, love to see you. And uh, Russ, you're always welcome too, brother. Thank you okay, for one, another great room.
0: You too. And then we will see you next Friday at 1 p.m. Everybody. Thank you want, for joining us today.
1: Do you want to end it with a joke?
0: Uh, do you have a joke?
1: No, you, you. You're the you're the com- oh, you're the comedian. God.
0: I hate when people do this. Put you years. on the spot. Like, I tell people like, oh, I'm a comedian. It's like, tell me a joke. How many? Tell me how a many, joke.
1: How many um, how many people? does Psychiatrist it- does it take to yes. change a light bulb? That that was okay. a good one.
0: I think everyone in this room has probably heard that before. But how say many, it again. Psychiatrist. How many psychiatrists does it take to change a light bulb?
1: How many? Russ? Well,
0: it only takes one. But the light bulb really has to want to change. Oh, my
1: God.
0: Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next week. All right. See you all.